Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Let's Get Growing. I'm Gary Folio, your host, along with Bob Dodds for our final broadcast of the 2011 oh. season. Good morning, Bob. Hey, good morning. Um, I, I, I really thought I'd see you in a pair of shorts this morning. Well, this weather changes by <laughs> 20 to 40 degrees in about 10 minutes, so you know that falls here. Welcome to the Midwest. It is that way, that's for sure. When are we going to change the clocks? Uh, that's, Do you know? Uh, this was tomorrow night, I think, isn't it? I hope. I don't mean to put you on the I, spot because I'm not remember. sure either. But let me just say that it's getting harder and harder to get up in the morning with these. Uh, it seems like midnight when I'm rolling out of bed in the morning. So it's been pretty dark in the morning and pretty. Not been a happy camper with the clouds and the cold yeah. and uh, yeah. not not a good way. That's right. Good news from the farm. Uh, crops are pretty well finished up. Uh, seeing a little bit of fall tillage. We're really encouraging farmers to. Uh, when they do some tillage, that uh, we try to leave some residue on top so that when we receive this rainfall that we desperately need this <laughs> fall and next spring, that uh, we don't have too much soil erosion. Maybe and that'll help the winter weed a little bit. I hope. You know, we have, you know, Lee County's famous for having the largest number of acres for hard red winter wheat. So uh, we do have a little bit of wheat that's been planted. We did pick up just a couple of rains to very small. Um, but it was enough to get a lot of this wheat germinated, so we're kind of greening up a few of those fields. Kind of looking, yeah. I was looking at a couple of them the other day, and I noticed the uh, the green starting to come yeah. up. So it it's, I don't think it's in very good shape, no, it's but it's not. starting to come up. We're really worried about it. You know, we need this weather pattern to change, and we've talked a lot about that this last year. It's been a great year. Uh, you've heard us, uh, if you listen to us all growing season, you know we've complained a great deal about the lack of rainfall and too much rainfall. Um, but uh, it's been an interesting year, that's for sure. Well, we didn't have any rust on the uh, uh, plants this year. That's though. right. That's so, right. That's exactly like, right. Like we did a couple years ago. It was really that's right. That's right. We're really happy. Uh, just to kind of reflect a little bit on 2011, we had some record high temperatures, a long period of time where we had some high temperatures there in July and August. <laughs> of course, in June, we were really just saturated, May, June. And if it had not been for May and June, we probably would not have had the crops that we had this past year. Uh, thank goodness the soil profile was plum full, and we went into the growing season in that situation. This year, we're pretty short on moisture going into the growing season for next year. Officially, we start talking about the new growing season come December 1. And so you're going to hear a lot of discussion in the news and on the radio about uh, rainfall and, and needed for growing corn and soybeans, but also for the gardeners to, to have good gardens. We'll take a little spring. break here, and then maybe when we come back, we'll talk okay. a little bit about how the yields are good. Uh, good. coming on the way back. Good, good. We are going to take a little break here. Word from Iowa State University and our sponsors. Thanks for joining. Let's get growing. Mistletoe seems like an innocent holiday decoration, but with a nickname like Vampire Plant, you may want to take a second look. And I'm here at Ryman Gardens with Christine Engelbrecht from ISU. Now, Christine, is mistletoe friend or foe? Well, it's both. Mistletoe has a lot of significance symbolically to us humans, so, so to us it's a friend. Mm -hmm. But to trees, mistletoe is a foe. Mistletoe is actually a parasitic plant, which means that it gets a lot of its nutrients from some other living organism, in this case, a tree. Mistletoe lives on the branches and limbs of a tree, and instead of producing roots, the mistletoe actually produces little projectiles called hostoria. 
that dig into the tree and actually suck out its water and mineral nutrients. So it is a vampire. <laughs> it is a vampire, and it can seriously stress a tree and can actually kill the tree. Wow. So if you find it on a tree, can you control it? Well, the only way to manage it where it's, where it's found is to prune off those infected branches. Just taking off the mistletoe that you see isn't enough because those hostoria enter into the wood of the tree. Also, herbicides are sometimes used to manage this where it's real common. Now, what exactly are we buying in a store? Is it, is it a parasite then? It is a parasite. Okay. There's actually 1,500 species of mistletoe, but the one that we usually buy is called Phorodendron flavescens. It's a leafy mistletoe, which means it's fairly attractive, mm -hmm. and it also produces little white waxy berries that are attractive, although poisonous. So what we usually buy in the store usually has those berries removed, and sometimes they put on artificial ones. Wow, lots to think about when you're kissing under the mistletoe. Thanks. And if you'd like more information on mistletoe, be sure to log on to Gardening in the Zone.com. I'm Liz Gelman. Excuse me, sir. Yes. What do you have there? An Echo Chainsaw. And did you buy it in a box? No, it was assembled and in-serviced by a trained and knowledgeable staff before I bought it. And how is it rated? Well, the Echo Train Small Engine Professional with 30 years experience told me it was rated by the EPA at 300 hours and it has a five-year warranty. You're kidding. No, sir. I got serious. I got an Echo. Echo. Only professional grade. Stop joking around. Ask about Echo Outdoor Power Equipment at Armstrong Small Engine, two miles north of Donaldson, Highway 218. KSB Insurance is your hometown trusted choice insurance agency dedicated to meeting all of your personal and business insurance needs. Give us a call or stop in at our Keokuk or Burlington location and let one of our friendly agents work with you to save some green on your insurance. KSB Insurance, protecting what matters to you. Back to Let's Get Growing. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, this is our last show right. for uh, 2011, and we'll be joining you back in the spring, we hope. Yeah. Um, uh, the good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. I think that's, that's, right. a <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice way to put that's it, Gary. That's old great. saying. That is great. That is good. Uh, anyway, we'll talk a little bit about uh, yields, right. what we're finding this fall. Right. Because we had such a dry season. That's exactly right. And, and to kind of share with you a little bit, we've had a lot of questions from the farm about corn stalks and rolling up big corn stalks to use for roughage. We know that hay is going to be in short supply this coming year just because of the dry conditions. Normally, on most of our Lee County farms, we'll see about three, maybe even four cuttings in a really good year. This year, I think probably about two cuttings. So we have probably about a half a hay crop. We've had some really nice corn yields on some of our very best soils and some of our soils that may not be quite as productive. We've seen some real, some very low yields. And I guess what I mean by that is some 200 bushel corn and we've had some 100 bushel corn. Mm. Which did better, uh, corn or beans this year? Well, that's a great question, Gary. I think probably we're going to wait and see where these prices end up for the year. But soybeans probably maybe went through this a little bit better than the, than the corn did. But again, we still saw some probably some soybeans that yielded over 50 bushel, almost to 60 on some of our best soils. And those soils are those farms that were really lucky and picked up that inch or two of rain the first week of July that many, many people missed. But anyway, 60 bushel beans would have been probably the very top. And of course, we've had some 20 bushel beans as well. So wow. a lot of, lot of differences, a lot of variation, had to do a lot with planting dates, uh, had a lot to do with the soil type, if you want to. That, it's the truth. The soil type made all the difference in the world. And then, of course, as I mentioned, whether or not you were fortunate to pick up those rains, at the, there was just a couple in and July. And earlier late beans. The yeah. Late, I, late beans uh, didn't do so well. That's right. Day. You're exactly right. right. Yep. 
And I noticed, or I heard the other day um, uh, about, uh, and I don't know what effect uh, our export is for hay, but Texas uh, was complaining that uh, there's just not a lot of food for their horses and, and cattle. That's right. And uh, I think our consumers may feel a little of that come this coming year. You know, in Texas, they liquidated a lot of the cattle. Uh, some people will say that we've liquidated about 10% of the cow herd in Texas this last year just due to their severe drought. And other, other states as well, not just Texas, but right. Oklahoma, um, some of the southern states. And so, of course, that pushed the beef prices down this last summer, even though we didn't feel like that maybe as a con- right. from a consumer standpoint. But uh, with fewer cows going into this next production year, we'll have fewer calves. And so that'll mean maybe even higher beef prices. And, of course, pork tags right along. And, by the way, this is pork month. Yep. Pork tags right along with the beef prices and lamb prices as well. We had some record high prices on lamb this last year. Um, Not a lot of demand for that product, and we don't produce a lot. But, But, again, all of our protein sources were much, much higher than they have been in the past. So, For uh, pork... The hog feed and yeah. things like that. A lot of that is a um, a value added product uh, uh, or a byproduct. We do use some byproducts from from people like right. like Rocat here in right. town or ADM in Eddyville or where or it's not Cedar so Rapids. much uh, with cattle that uh, it's grass and corn. Yeah. We've been in trying our best to use many of these byproducts from both the corn sweeteners and also the ethanol production. Um, there are a lot of byproducts left from that, and that has been a very good lower cost, not low cost, but lower cost product right. to use in our rations. So you make a good point on that, Gary. Yep. Well, let's get, get to work, huh? Let's get growing. All right. Well, before we do, I have to, if you happen to be a school teacher or you know a school teacher or you have some young people, maybe you homeschool your students, I just could not help myself. But I wanted to bring along with me this morning some wonderful, wonderful materials uh, from our 4-H program. And these can be purchased through the Lee County Extension Office. I don't know the cost, but they were sitting on a desk when I was preparing uh, to come and talk to the radio, uh, talk on the radio this week. And a couple of them that just caught my mind or caught my attention. One is called robotics, and it's the junk drawer. In other words, it's taking things that we have and uh, making uh, robotics out of those. Um, There's probably about four or five different levels to each of these subjects. And I would really, really encourage our teachers that teach some science in their classrooms. I think this would be a wonderful reference. They have not only the students' books that you can purchase, but you can also purchase a teacher's guide or a facilitator's guide, whichever. They're designed for our 4-H program for 4-H leaders, but I think they would be fabulous in the classroom, filled with great ideas, lots of activities, lots of hands-on activities for the students. So one of them called Junk Drawer Robotics, and this one happens to be level three, but uh, this is uh, mechatronics, and I'm not sure that I'm an engineer, so you'll have to get the reference to learn more about it, but it is about 4-H robotics engineering for today and tomorrow. Excellent, wonderful reference. Another one that really caught my eye was there's no new water, and this one happens to work talk a lot about the uh, water cycle, uh, how we as humans play an impact in that, how important the water cycle is, and a lot of great science demonstration projects. Pro- I think you're going to see more and more articles about our I water. I do, too. I do, too. I think uh, water is going to 
you know, have a not to make this personal, but I have a, a brother-in-law that lives in K- Dodge City, Kansas. And it was only about 10 years ago, Gary, that they irrigated all their corn acres. Right. No more. They even have the irrigation units, which cost $150,000, just setting idle. Uh, The groundwater has been, uh, the uh, aquifer has been lowered, and the state of Kansas changed some laws and said, hey, can't can't pump water, or you cannot, you can only have this much. And of course, so now they grow hay instead of corn and soybeans. So that's even in one person's lifetime. I mean, this isn't something that's been going on for a long time, so... You're right, Gary. Water. I think in the very near future, we're going to start seeing more and more yep. um, articles and, and things that, that uh, are geared towards bringing in new water yep. and yep. Um, whatever the process is for cleaning up water. You know, I don't want to stress this too much but with the drought this last summer right. i think we we're all starting to appreciate how we maybe sometimes taken advantage taken for granted our rainfall we've been so fortunate to receive a lot of rainfall here in lee county and and of course we depend on water uh, for the uh, mississippi river and the uh, uh, navigation on the we've river. got a pretty good source of it exactly with the river but that's right um 100 miles either way Exactly. You don't have that. That's right. That's right. I think you're right. I think we're going to be talking a lot about water in the future. Another program, another booklet that I brought along is called Exploring Your Environment. Um, it is excellent. It talks a lot about soils, the importance of soils, understanding our soils, and how they all play a part of our environment and why it's important to protect our environment. And some of the steps that we can take includes recycling, but again, lots and lots of student activities and lots of great ideas on that. Another one, oh my goodness, they just go on and on. And I didn't even bring them all. And these are all brand new. This one's called The Power of Wind. And, you know, this is something that we in Iowa are extremely proud of. We're probably the leading state in the nation as far as the percentage of our energy that's generated. And, in fact, up in northeast or northwest Iowa, we're actually exporting it on up into Minnesota. But uh, The Power of the Wind, again, another excellent reference for the classroom or homeschool or if you have a cub scout or boy scouts club excellent reference and i thought i'd finish and we have more but this is one that i'll finish with and this one is simply called project butterfly wings and this is all about entomology and the important role that um, uh, insects and butterflies and their life cycles and the role that they play in the production of food and uh, the importance to to us in in our environment so to see these, do stop by the Lee County Extension Office in Donaldson, and our staff there will be more than happy to share these with you and to share with you the cost of them and how you might secure a copy of them. But I think they're wonderful, and uh, even uh, for Sunday school class or if you're leading, uh, if you have a service club or something that wants to do some, uh, some things with the environment, they can be a very nice reference to, to have. Well, this week we've received just a lot, a lot of questions that I wanted to go through before we start to talk a little bit about Christmas. Uh, I promised we'd talk about Christmas, and um, I hope you have your boots all ready to go for winter. Everyone's getting ready to winterize their homes. We're moving into... That word just seems to (laughs) chill down my spine. (laughs) We're going to have to take a break here. Please hold that thought. Until June. <laughs> no. 
We'll be right back with Let's Keep Growing. As you're out shopping for the holidays, don't forget about the tree. There are many advantages to having a real Christmas tree in the home. And I'm here at Ryman Gardens with Jeff Isles from ISU. Now Jeff, when you're going out to select that perfect Christmas tree, whether you're in the, uh, the farm or the lot, mm -hmm. what should you look for? Well, there's all these trees look rather small when you're outside, and then you bring them home, and they look really big when you get them <laughs> in the house. So look at look at the size of the plant and fit it to the front room. That's okay. very important. Any special species you should look for? Well, there's there's a lot of choices out there. Uh, spruces we've used for many many years, but they tend not to have the best needle retention. Pines like white pine and Scotch pine are very good, and they're kind of middle of the road, and they're very easy to find in Iowa and, and in the Midwest. And then of course the firs. I think firs are, are some of the best Christmas trees because they really hold onto their needles for a long time. You've got white fir, Douglas fir, and also Fraser fir, which is thought to be one of the Cadillacs of Christmas trees. Is that your favorite? That is. It is my favorite. <laughs> okay. Now when you bring it home, how should you care for it? Well, make sure you put a fresh cut on, on the base of the plant. You want the water to go up into the tree very quickly, very efficiently, and so making a fresh cut is very important. And then get it right into the Christmas tree stand. Make sure the stand never dries out. Always make sure there's plenty of water in the reservoir uh, because these trees will take up quite a bit of water uh, very, very quickly. Finally, think about the lights you put on the plant. Maybe the smaller lights are best because they, they reduce the heat load on the plant. I never really thought about that. All right, thanks. And if you'd like more information on selecting a Christmas tree, be sure to log on to GardeningInTheZone.com. I'm Liz Gelman. Well, we're down at Gate City Seed Company and uh, we're talking about uh, Let's Get Growing is a uh, final program. So I guess it's going to be Let's Get Slowing Down for the Season. Thinking of which... Uh, Winterizer, I got to mention that in the last program. We need to get that uh, winterizer on the lawn, especially this year. We're going to see dramatic results come spring because the winterizer makes your grass thicken in all winter long. We need that. We've got a lot of thin lawns out there. Gate City Seed has it. Of course, we uh, lend spreaders free. Fifteen ninety nine covers five thousand square feet, which is regular city lot. So think about getting the winterizer on and. Uh, of course, all your other problems aren't just going to go away for the fall. We've got the mice coming in. We've got the insects, and Gate City Seed can help. So remember, come see us this fall, 824 Main Street in Keokuk. Excuse me, sir. What is it you have there? It's a power blower. It looks like a box to me. There's a power blower inside. Ah, and is that a light-duty or heavy-duty box? Uh, I mean, power blower in a box. I don't know. The box doesn't say. Well, could you ask someone? Customer service in here? Are you joking? No, sir. I don't joke about power blowers, and neither should you. Obviously, it's time for you to get serious with Echo. Echo power blowers are professional grade, carry a 300-hour EPA rating, and a five-year consumer warranty. See your local Echo dealer at Armstrong Small Engine, two miles north of Donaldson, Highway 218. We don't sell boxes. We sell power blowers. And we're back with Let's Get Growing. You were talking a little bit about Christmas, and, and I remember last Wednesday when um, I got out, went out on a couple <laughs> errands, and I got out of the truck, and I thought, Oh, I got chilled, and I thought, oh, no, not already. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gary, we're going to bring that snow shovel in here in just a few minutes and oh. make sure it still fits and works and uh, mm. uh, get everybody all limbered up. But before we do move into winter, don't forget, I know a few people are still using the lawnmower. We want to make sure and get those ready for winter. Make sure, as Gary and I always speak about, uh, taking the garden hose off the house and, right. and uh Clearing off the garden. And Fuel additive, too, is something good, especially with riding lawnmowers. I've found that uh, when you put them away, if, if you don't have a heated garage, or even if you do, if gasoline sets for a long time, check your weed eaters and check your mowers, and, and that stable yeah. is really good. I mean, it just really helps them start in the, in the spring. 
keeps the valves and all right. those kind right. of things together yeah. working well, that's for sure. Well, I wanted to mention this morning uh, just a little bit about uh, hybrid roses, hybrid tea roses. Uh, one of the things that we're adding to the list that we normally, we, we talk about it, but we don't spend much time on it. But we want to make sure all of our trees and roses and shrubs are well watered before we move into winter. Uh, so do use that garden hose a couple more times. Really soak the soil up, get them ready for winter, and then do some mulching if you need to. On our, on our hybrid teas, we usually start to, well, actually, both the grandiflora, the floribundra, we like to um, use some mulch and protect them. Maybe we have to mound up around them. But uh, we'll usually do that about mid-November on into later November here in our southern counties. Um, we like to hill, use, basically just covering, bringing soil up around the base of the plant. I think that's truly the best. I know a lot of people like to use the cones. We sometimes have a tough time uh, keeping those in place, especially with the wind and things. But you can do that as well. But I do like to make sure and mound up the soil. I think that's the best. And then, of course, don't forget, next, next spring, you want to pull that soil back away from them. Um, also, we were talking this morning, with, I was talking with some people about trees a little bit. Make sure that we protect them not only from the deer. I know people will go ahead and put some fence around them. When you have the fence there, make sure and take some what I call chicken netting and put that around the outside of the fence and attach it. That will sure keep the rabbits out and then right. try to anticipate some of those snow levels that we're so looking forward to. <laughs> um, You're just not going to give up, are I'm you? not going to let... I know, Gary. It's just... It's <laughs> almost not... It's just so um, almost mean, isn't it? I mean, it is. It I'm going to call you is. about 4.30 in the morning, you know, when it starts snowing. <laughs> Let you enjoy it with the rest of us. <laughs> Good, Gary. Oh, my gosh. A um, couple of questions this week. We spoke a little bit about this uh, a couple of programs ago. But when do I apply lime in the, to my lawn? And in Iowa, home gardeners should apply lime to lawns only when it's recommended by a soil test. I speak with uh, some homeowners every once in a while. They'll say, oh, I put lime on my, on my lawn every other year. And I said, well, gosh, have you taken a soil test? And um, they'll take a soil test and they'll find out that their soil pH is up over 8. Um, too much lime is just as, is, 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 I, I don't want to say bad, but it's as, it can be just as bad, I guess, as having too low. So you, you want to make sure you pull that soil test and find out what the soil pH is before you add lime. Add lime. Adding lime increases the soil pH. For lawns, for our gardens, we like to stay in that 6 to 7, not higher than 7. Uh, that, that's where we really get good, good um, growth from our plants. That's when the nutrients in the soil are most available to the plants. So kind of make sure that you take that soil test before you apply lime and do not over-apply. I think fall is an ideal time. It gives it some time to work into the soil, uh, gives us a little bit of, hopefully we'll get some rain and some snow, kind of moves it through the soil and uh, neutralizes that soil if we do need it. One of the questions too this week is why uh, my oak tree produced just a few acorns this year. I've seen some of our oaks produce a lot of acorns and some have produced a few. Um, it's really common for the acorn crop and oak trees to vary from year to year. Uh, most oak species produce a good crop of acorns once every two or three years. However, the white oaks tend to produce a good acorn crop once every four to six years. So if you're just kind of watching them and monitoring them, then 
Um, I, I guess that's the best answer I can give to you is it just, it really does vary by the year. And uh, some years we have very few and some we have lots. Uh, again, a little bit on fall leaf color. I'm really pleased. I thought the leaf color was going to be, we saw some color early right. in the season and then it almost seemed like it just stopped. Blase and then it wasn't going to do anything yep. and now and it seems come back a little bit exactly and a large part of that is is the freezing temperatures the cool nights now i know it's been warm the last week right. but we did have some cool temperatures in between and that really started to bring that color out uh and so i'm really happy to say that many of the maples are really showing some really nice color or they have this past week and uh, again that was kind of attributed to some earlier cool unfortunately temperatures. my my maples don't have leaves anymore <laughs> Ex- i know i know <laughs> And there is a lot of difference between the species and right. the varieties. My right. goodness, some of the trees had dropped their leaves, and they're, and they're all maples. But right. we have some that are just now showing color. Right. We have some that have really dropped their, dropped their uh, uh, leaves already. Um, a couple of questions on plant hardiness zone. I thought, I thought this was good. We've talked a lot about it. But in, to give you a little history, it was in the 1990s that the United States Department of Agriculture actually... Uh, develop the hardiness zone map. Uh, northern Iowa, when we get up into northern Iowa, that's four. Uh, kind of, and, and that zone is a negative 20 to a negative 30 degrees. We get into our area, and we're more like zone five, and that's a negative 10 to a no, negative 20 degrees. So we look at those. It's very important. Our plant hardiness zone is very important when we start selecting trees, shrubs, and perennials. And so um, that's, that's one of the keys to that. Um, I guess those are some of the key things about questions. I wanted to mention Christmas today before we um, wrap up. A couple of things I want to say. First of all, I really think the natural Christmas trees are great. And I know a lot of people have artificial trees, and we, we all have our reasons for what we, what we buy and what we look for. But one thing I can say about the Christmas trees, we are seeing right here in Lee County more and more varieties to choose from. And I really encourage people to uh, give some thought. I know we have a temptation to not uh, look at them real closely sometimes, and we just pick that scotch uh, pine, and we kind of go with that. I know we're a a little ways away from Christmas, but as we get closer to Christmas, start to think a little bit if you do buy a, a natural Christmas tree. First of all, try to buy it locally if you possibly can. We have some local growers, not necessarily in Lee County, but in Illinois that come into Lee County and sell some trees. And if you have a chance, maybe go a county or two up and you can find a Christmas tree grower and actually take it from the farm. A couple of them that I really like that I think we uh, overlook, my favorite happens to be a Douglas fir. I think it's an absolutely fabulous tree. Fairly reasonable in cost. I like the green color. I like the uh, fragrance. Um, uh, There's also a couple that are very, very expensive, but we've been seeing a lot of those, and those happen to be some of the spruce trees, um, and and they're always available as well, but almost twice as as expensive. Um, When you start to choose a tree, decide where you want to have it in your home, also, measure it twice to make sure it's going to fit. Uh, take a tape measure with they you grow before too. leaving. They do. When you when cut you... one down, they grow. Exactly. I know it can be really frustrating when you do get it inside, <laughs> so make sure that you pick a good tree stand. I, I know we like to kind of watch our 
our budgets and things, but a tree stand that's really strong, really sturdy, um, has some good adjusting uh, bolts on it can go a long ways in, uh, in making life a lot simpler and a lot easier. You want it to be able to hold plenty of water as well. Um, take a look at, uh, I, I mentioned the Fraser fir, the Noble fir. These are those more expensive trees. They're beautiful. But uh, another tree that's really, as I mentioned, are starting to show up in our area. Take a look at the spaces between the branches. Will there be enough space between the branches to put on the ornaments that we like? Are they kind of somewhat evenly spaced up and down the tree as well? And then make sure that we select a good Christmas tree that's been cut fairly recent. That's so, so very important. And I guess I would just add, when you transport your tree home, make sure and take some care. Don't try to put a six to eight foot tree in the back seat of a car. A lot of times you can do quite a bit of damage to the limbs. So yes. those are important things. And then also look for those heat registers in your home and try to stay away from those as Absolutely. much as possible. We're going to take a break here for a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back to wrap things up with Let's Get Growing. Well, it's a pretty good bet that you'll encounter a poinsettia sometime this holiday season. These colorful plants seem to be everywhere, including Ryman Gardens, where I'm here with Dr. Cindy Haynes from ISU. Now, Cindy, what should we look for when we're out buying a poinsettia? Well, when you're buying a poinsettia, look for one that's really colorful. The bracts or the modified leaves should be full of color because you want that nice big color splash. Mm -hmm. um, other things that you can look for is plenty of leaves, a full complement of leaves. You don't want it to be wilted, you don't want it to be open, um, so it looks nice and healthy. The third thing you can check are the true flowers, which are actually in the inside. Um, there are these tiny little swollen areas uh, that will turn kind of yellowish. And you want to find those true flowers that are really small and really tight, um, because the longer these develop and open, the longer it will actually last indoors. Huh, I didn't realize that. Now, how should you care for it when you get home? Well, first thing you should do is make sure you wrap it or protect it when you remove it from a store into your car and then from the car into the home. They're very sensitive to cold temperatures, so protect it. Once you get it in your home, make sure you put it in a bright, well-lit location away from direct light and away from drafts, hot drafts or cold drafts. And then um, as you're caring for it, water it well when it needs watering and take it out of the saucer or any kind of decorative basket that it may have when you're watering it. And you can put it back when it's through draining. Okay, and it just seems like you're seeing so many more beautiful colors. There are plenty of colors out there. There are dark plum colors, there are pink colors, there's white, there's red, there's spotted, there's marbled, and the list goes on and on. You can find a poinsettia to match any decor. Well, sounds like a fun challenge, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, thanks. And if you'd like more information on the poinsettia, be sure to log on to gardeninginthezone.com. I'm Liz Gelman. Christmas is right around the corner, but there's no need to panic yet. Today we're going to give you some gift ideas for the gardener on your list. And with me at Ryman Gardens is Dr. Anne-Marie van der Zanden from ISU. Now, Anne-Marie, what should we be putting on our list? Well, I think gardeners are some of the easiest people to buy gifts for. So there are all kinds of things to choose from. Really big things to really small things and pretty much everything in between. I think a really good gift for most gardeners are books. There are all different kinds of books out there. You can choose some that are on specialty topics like clematis or hydrangea or a particular topic that you know your gardening friend is interested in. There's also books on how-to, so you can get a landscape design book or how to build a patio. All of those kinds of things are included. Now, if you want to spend a little bit less 
Nevertheless, your local extension service will also have um, publications that you can purchase as well. Okay. Uh, if you want to go really big, you can go with something like a new wood chipper or a lawnmower, um, or maybe somebody's really interested and needs to mend their soil, so a load of compost would be a good idea. <laughs> Not everybody's favorite. Not something gift. you first think about. <laughs> no. Yeah. But you can put a little note on that that, oh, you know, I'll buy you a load of compost in the spring and it'll help you unload it as yeah, well to get your gardens ready. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, on the flip side, what about some little stocking stuffers? All kinds of things there as well. All kinds of garden knickknacks, um, hand lotions that are made out of botanical oils are really nice. Um, little photo frames or little watering cans. It kind of depends on what the person's most interested in. So those are really good. Uh, another option would be to do uh, something that would be a membership to like a local botanical center or a public garden, and then they can use that all season long and come to the garden at different times. Or also a membership to a type of society like like the Conifer Society or like the Dwarf Iris Society. They'll get a newsletter and be able to kind of pursue their passion even more. Hmm, all good ideas. Hopefully Santa was watching. Well. <laughs> and if you would like more information on gifts for the gardener, be sure to log on to gardeninginthezone.com. I'm Liz Gelman. KSB Bank has been in existence since 1868, proudly serving our customers. We have strong roots and a history of providing excellent service to generations. So if you need banking products and services, stop in at one of our four convenient locations and let our dedicated employees work with you to start your money growing. KSB Bank, member FDIC. Strength you can bank on now and in the future. Well, we're down at Gate City Seed Company and uh, we're talking about uh, Let's Get Growing is a uh, final program. So I guess it's going to be Let's Get Slowing down for the season. Thinking of which... Uh, Winterizer, i got to mention that in the last program. We need to get that uh, winterizer on the lawn, especially this year. We're going to see dramatic results come spring because the winterizer makes your grass thicken in all winter long. We need that. We've got a lot of thin lawns out there. Gate City Seed has it. Of course, we uh, lend spreaders free. $15.99 covers 5,000 square feet, which is regular city lot. So think about getting the winterizer on. And, uh, of course, all your other problems aren't just going to go away for the fall. We've got the mice coming in. We've got the insects, and Gate City Seed can help. So remember, come see us this fall, 824 Main Street in Keokuk. And we're back. We're going to wrap things up for this uh, 2011 season. Well, it's been great, Gary. And I, it I has wanna, been a good year. I want to really thank you for letting us be back on the program, and I thank our sponsors so much for, for that as well. Uh, without their support, we sure couldn't be on, the, uh, be on every Saturday morning. Absolutely. A couple of, I know you're, I'm going to try to, a couple of really great ideas for Christmas. Don't forget about bird feeders. Um, I know at the top of my list is going to be a really nice wheelbarrow. I'm asking for that. Um, there's some, some really nice gifts. Don't forget about a nice journal for gardeners to record the plants that they've grown this past year. Uh, they That's make not going to be Mary's Christmas present, is it? I think the wheelbarrow is. That's, I'm trying to, I'm saying to Mary every night, I'm like, hey, Mary, don't you really want a nice wheelbarrow, you know, with the large wheels and oh, nice yeah. handles? Yeah, and she's really not buying into this too much, but uh, she keeps talking about going on a cruise or something, and I, hmm. think, I think a wheelbarrow sounds great. But there's some really nice garden shoes available. There's always, uh, there's some very, very nice, very small greenhouses that we can use to kind of get an early start on the um, growing season. And um, also um, uh, some as inexpensive as the Iowa State University uh, Master Gardener calendar. Um, just so many gifts available. And I, I guess I always like to say to people we should try to buy our gifts locally. 
But do pick up a magazine. You can get a lot of great ideas and then go look for those ideas sure. here locally. That's, that's what it. I think. But I always, you know, sometimes I just can't come up with some good ideas and I like to pull out a garden supply catalog and it really helps making some decisions on gifts. So it might remind you of something that you saw somewhere. Exactly. And I need that, right? I yeah. mean, more tools, more equipment, great shovels are such wonderful gifts. Always. Always. Well, we're going to have to wrap things up for. Uh, this week's edition and this year's edition and we want to go through real quick because we've had some uh, sponsors that have uh, been all the way through the year with us and that's KSB Bank here in Keokuk KSB Insurance in Keokuk uh, Gate City Seed uh, down on Main Street there in Keokuk Paul and the folks uh, always take good care of us here at Let's Get Growing Thank you. Hy-Vee uh, was a new sponsor this year Phelps Insurance from Donaldson uh, Long-time advertiser and, and supporter of Let's Get Growing. want to thank them. And, of course, small, uh, Armstrong Small Engine uh, do a great job for us and, and yep. have been with us a long time and great supporters of, uh, of uh, the show and, and certainly do everything they can do for uh, taking care of all of our problems uh, out in the yard and, mm-hmm. and uh, equipment yeah. and tools yeah. and you name it. And uh, Centrally FFA was on uh, for half yep. a year this year, mm-hmm. which they do. We appreciate their support. Yep. And Hy-Vee Food Store uh, this year was new and uh, for half a season, uh, along with Jim's Greenhouse uh, up yep. there in Montrose. And we really appreciate our sponsors uh, that allow this show to be uh, broadcast every Saturday morning at 720 on KOKX AM 1310. From all of us here at KOKX Studios at 108 Washington, thanks for listening.